Good morning. And good morning to those of you joining us online today. It's good to be with you. For those of you that have been praying for me, I appreciate your prayers. Um, and if you've been here the last two weeks, I appreciate the extra prayers that I don't self-destruct my microphone system. So far, so good today. We'll keep our fingers crossed about that. But today is third in the series of four sermons about Baptist DNA. What makes us a Baptist church and why is that important? And today we're going to talk about priesthood of the believer. That is a phrase that I knew nothing about or or really never even heard of or at least didn't pay attention to until I went to seminary. And I'm curious, um, just in a minute of a show of hands, and I'm not going to point you out and ask you to prove that you should raise your hand, but I'm curious if someone asks you, what does priesthood of the believer mean? Do you think you could have a good handle on that? How how many folks? All right, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, it's, It's one of those concepts that if you're like me and you grew up within the Baptist church, it's, it's really something that's almost innate. It's something that's just, yeah, that's just how it is when it comes to our relationship with God and, and how we view God and interact with God. But like so many other things in this series about Baptist principles and what we feel is important, it's important to understand the backstory. It's important to understand that the history behind how we got to this belief and, and living out our faith in this way. So, in just a minute, um, we're going to, to think about the ancient priests from Old Testament times, from Hebrews times. But before we do that, if you're like me, these priests come to mind when I think about priests. Um, the, the one on the bottom left is my favorite, if you're familiar with that movie. But, uh, you know, most often today, we think of the white collar, we, we think of Roman Catholic priests, and, and that kind of fills in the gap in today's world. But years and years ago, again, in Old Testament times, things, things were much different. But we're going to think about the role that priests played back then and the significance that they were. Um, in a nutshell, in Old Testament times, priests served as the middleman, the connector between God's people and God. As Deb explained to the kids just a few minutes ago so well, there, there was no way for people to connect with God directly. That's just not the way it worked in ancient times. So first and foremost, the priests, more than anything else, they were known for the rituals, the sacrificial rituals that they oversaw and navigated and they knew all the details about and they they led the people in. Um, There were different sacrifices for different purposes, different things were brought to God by the people. Um, More often than not, it, it involved an animal, whether it be a bull or a ram, sheep or goat, even turtle doves, pigeons, things like that. But sometimes there, was, there were other things offered. Uh, grain was sometimes offered. Wine was sometimes poured out as a sacrifice, as an offering to God. And then the reason behind those offerings was significant. Um, sometimes it was a, a peace offering. Sometimes it, it was an offering that, that went along with a certain... Uh, uh, annual celebration. Um, But if you're like me, when you think of Old Testament priests and you think of offering sacrifices, what comes to mind first is offerings on behalf of sin, 
Offerings that are seeking forgiveness from God. Offerings that helped the people be put in a right relationship with God again. And that's, that was the focus of much of what they did back then. Um, so the priests were very, very significant as being the, the specialized people, their profession, their vocation, to help connect people to God through these sacrifices. And then a new element and a very important element developed in ancient times when people begin to worship God through the temple, through the structure. And as as the Hebrews wandered around the wilderness, there was a tabernacle, a tent-like structure. And then later on with King Solomon, an actual stone temple was built in Jerusalem. But in either situation, um, there was a very special um, layout for this temple. And within the temple itself, there was a very secluded room, the innermost room. It was small, it was compact, it was dark. And that place was called the Holy of Holies. Again, show of hands, how many of you have heard of the Holy of Holies within the temple? Very good. All right, you all went to Sunday school, I can tell. So you probably know, if you're familiar with the Holy of Holies, that much different than how we view God today, but back then, that's where God's presence resided for the most part. God was confined. God's presence stayed within the interior of that very secluded, very sacred, very separated room. God's people were on the outside. God's presence was in the Holy of Holies. And the priest, once again, served in the middle. And a very significant thing was that to enter this Holy of Holies, which we'll get to in a minute, not everybody could go in there, but there was a, a, a very thick curtain, or what was called a veil, that, that was the, the entrance. And that kept God's presence, again, separated from the people. So once a year, on uh, the most sacred day in Jewish life, Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement, the high priest, only one select person, would be able to enter this Holy of Holies, would be able to enter God's presence. He would go in burning incense. He would take blood from an animal sacrifice. And he would do that in this ritualistic way to seek forgiveness or atonement for his personal sins as well as the sins of all of the people. So very, very significant And Yom Kippur continues to be the most significant Jewish holiday there is, the the most um, reverent sacred day um, for that reason. So, you know, those those are the functional things of, as we get to priesthood of the believer, the significance of priests and what they did. But in my research, I came across a couple of things that are just kind of side notes, but I think they're worth sharing with you. if you're like me, you, you may have heard about how when the, the high priest entered the special Holy of Holies room every year, that um, there, is, there is a concern that perhaps the priest might die within the presence of God. The idea that the priest would be unclean, unfit to enter God's presence. So you may have heard the story that a rope was tied around the priest's ankle or leg with the idea that if he went in there and dropped dead in God's presence, 
he'd be able to be pulled out. And for years, I, I, wow, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that speaks to the significance of, of and the importance of this holy of holies and this, this role that the priest had. But, but that, that's not in Scripture anywhere that a rope was tied to the priest. It's, it's not in any of the other sources that happened, but it, it developed over time, I think, to signif- uh, signify the importance here. So if you're like me and you've believed that story for years and years, it's a myth. Um, but again, I think it, it serves the important, it serves the point of how significant this was. And then there's a second point um, before we move on that I, I think is, is really kind of a, a side sermon, if you will. It really doesn't have a whole lot to do with priesthood of the believer, but I think it's very significant for us today. And, and that goes along with how the priests led people to connect with God through worship and how we come to worship every day today, every Sunday or during our lives today, and how easy it is to go through the motions. How easy it is for us to show up, stand up when we're supposed to, sit down when we're supposed to, say the words on the screen, and then leave unchanged. Um, it, it's, it's just, I don't know what it is, you know. Other things distract us, it's human nature. The ancient Hebrews had that same challenge. And, and God points this out a few different times. And I think it's worth noting for us as we seek to connect with God and live for God in our daily lives, that the significance of this. In, in Hosea chapter 6, this is what God says. And it relates to these rituals and, and offering sacrifices and all the things that God's people were doing. God said, I desire mercy, not sacrifice an acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. What he's saying is, you know, when you offer burnt offerings, when you offer sacrifices to me through the priest, yeah, you're doing what you're supposed to do, but I want more than that. I want your heart. I want you to treat people with mercy. I want you to acknowledge me as your God instead of just going through the motions of this ritual. In 1 Samuel 15, the prophet Samuel says, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? As much as in obeying the Lord, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. Again, the message there, don't just go through the motions. Don't just bring your animal to the priest, check off the box, yeah, I'm good with, in my relationship with God now, and just continue your life as if nothing has changed. Give God your heart. Give God everything. Seek God and allow him to change you and work through you. So those are important things that that I came across and I think are significant for us. But before we turn to Matthew 27, just to recap, we all understand this. In ancient times, the priest was the essential connector of God's people to God. Without the priest, people had no hope of connecting with God. And then once a year, this holy of holies, where God's presence dwelt, um, the high priest was able to enter in, pass through the veil, pass through the curtain, and offer a, a sacrifice of atonement on behalf of the people. So with those things in mind, we'll turn to a scripture that we usually read leading up in the few days before Easter. But unlike other messages in this series that were really, there's it's been a challenge to find scripture passages that talks about church autonomy or pa- passages that talk directly about separation of church and state. This passage speaks directly 
about our Baptist belief and priesthood of the believer. So Matthew 27, starting in verse 45, and this took place as Jesus hung on the cross. From noon on, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at about three o'clock, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of the bystanders heard it, they said, this man is calling for Elijah. At once, one of them ran and got a sponge, filled it with sour wine, put it on a stick, and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come and save him. Then Jesus cried again with a loud voice and breathed his last. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and rocks were split. The tombs were also open, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. After his, after his resurrection, they came out of the tombs and entered the holy city and appeared to many. Now with the centurion and those with him who were keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place. They were terrified and said, truly, this man was God's son. As Jesus hung on the cross for you and me and breathed his last breath, this was obviously a monumental moment in history. The earth shook, rocks were split, even dead saints came out of their graves and walked again. It's amazing to me that at the end of that passage, these, these irreligious soldiers who would normally have nothing to say, they were so struck and so amazed by what had happened. Their testimony is so powerful. Truly, this man was God's son. They had no reason to say that other than what they just experienced, what they just witnessed. And in the midst of this incredibly pivotal pivotal moment in history, verse 51 is what we focus on at this, this morning. That curtain, that veil, that, that separation that for the entrance of the Holy of Holies, this, this thing that had kept God separated from God's people, that had kept God's people reliant on someone else to connect them to God, that veil was suddenly ripped in two separated completely. And that moment in history changed things for you and me. Whereas up until that moment, God's people had to have a go-between to connect them with God. You and I are so blessed to be able to connect with God, as, as Deb said earlier, anytime, anywhere, any place. And in the same way, God can speak to us anytime, anywhere, any place. And we don't have to rely on someone else to make that happen. It is an incredible, incredible gift. There are still, of course, um, different faith traditions, different Christian denominations that, that rely on a priest to guide and direct worship. And as Baptists, we don't, we don't do that. The priesthood of the believer for you and me means we can connect freely with God. God can connect freely with us. But I want to be very, very um, careful to point out that even though that, that's how we've, 
approached religious life for years and years, the, um, the importance of ministers um, in, in, in a Baptist church, of course. You know, um, if you were here last Sunday and we got to uh, celebrate baptism with Elizabeth and Terrence, you know, M- Melissa, ministers are so significant in helping guide us and, and walk beside us in that, those times. So similar to how the priest in the Old Testament knew all the ins and outs with the ritualistic sacrifices, our ordained ministers, our seminary trained ministers, they know more than we do about the Bible. They know more than we do about theology. They, they have the skills and expertise to direct us in Lord's Supper and baptism, um, weddings, funerals, all those kind of things. So please do not hear me say that priesthood of the believer means that we just kick out all the ministers, because I'm not saying that at all. But what it does is it gives us free access to God, freedom to connect with God anytime, anywhere, for any reason. I'll share with you one story from my life of of how this was significant for me. Um, and why it makes a difference for me, and, and hopefully you can think about how it makes a difference for you. Um, when I was 14 years old, I was laying in bed at home in the middle of the night, and I, I, I struggled with the words back then, and I still struggle with the words now to kind of explain what was going on within my spirit, within my heart. But, but God was, we might use the words kind of, I was under conviction, or God's spirit was getting my attention. I was unsettled. And I was laying there in the middle of the night thinking through stuff. Why do I feel this way? What is going on? And I kind of checked off the things in my, my life. Okay, I, I know my parents love me. I've got a good home. Things are okay at school. Um, you know, it just, just kind of went through all these things. Everything was okay except I knew enough to know because I went to church, because my family had helped me to, to grow up in a Christian faith, in a Christian home. The one thing I came to is, is it was God speaking to me, Todd, your relationship with me is not what it should be. And I knew enough from, from people that cared about me and, and Sunday school teachers and people like that to know. I, at that moment, I realized I had never truly given my life to Jesus. I had never truly said, Jesus, I need you to forgive me of my sins. I need you to be the leader and Lord of my life from this point forward. Please come into my life. Please do that. And in that moment, thankfully, I didn't, you know, have to call a priest and get them out of bed and say, please help me do this. Please help connect me with God. God was already connecting with me. And in that moment, in the middle of the night, in my bedroom, in the darkness, I was able to have that connection with God. And that's part of what priesthood of the believer means and why it's so significant. So for you and for me, as we journey through this life, as we live out our faith each day, please understand what a blessing that is. What a great joy that is. The freedom that God gives us to connect with God anytime, anywhere, any place, for any reason. And that goes both ways. Not only can we reach out to God, 
that God reaches into our lives in that same way. So you may be in a similar situation to I was when I was 14 years old, where you, you just, there's something within your spirit that is just unsettled. Um, I would encourage you to talk to God about that. And, and then the other piece of that story for me is I didn't just keep that to myself. I talked to my pastor about that later. I talked to my mom about that. And it became a part of my faith journey um, that was so significant. So priesthood of the believer might not just roll off our tongue and we don't talk about it every week, but it's so significant to who we are as a Baptist church and as we follow Jesus together. And let us appreciate and, and live in that freedom together. Please pray with me. God, we come before you. We're so thankful that you are here with us, that there is no veil or, or curtain that keeps us distant from you, that because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, we can connect with you anytime and you can connect with us. Lord, thank you for being with us today. As we sing this final song together in just a moment, we ask that you will um, speak to us and help us to respond to you however you are leading us. Thank you for Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.